0: This is a new Fly Fishing Founders episode where we go behind the scenes with outdoor companies going all in on their craft. This week on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast, we have John Paterka with Sagebrush Dry. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. Before we get into the podcast today, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Echo Fly Rods who produce some of the toughest fly rods on the market. Head over to wetflyswing.com echo. Uh, That's E-C-H-O And check out uh, the spade rod that I recommend for Steelhead If you purchase through that link This gives the podcast a small commission At no extra charge to you Thank you in advance if you're able to do that In today's episode I talk with John Poderka From Sagebrush Dry Who breaks down the bulletproof dry bags They produce out of Cake, Alaska We hear what makes Sagebrush bags different The challenges of producing bags In a remote village up in Alaska And how basketball helped to give him the in with the tribe in the area. So, without further ado, here's John Paterka from sagebrushdry.com. How's it going, John? Uh, Doing well. Doing really well. Good, good. How's how's things going up in Alaska? You guys, uh, you're kind of right in the middle of the winter, right? What's it like up there right now?
1: Oh, we've had some nasty weather the last three weeks. It's a bit, well, we don't get the snow. We're in Southeast Alaska, so we're more in the rainforest, but, um, we've been getting some snow. We've got probably six to eight inches of snow on the ground, uh, and now it's raining and making everything icy and miserable everywhere. So we're full on, full on winter, um, gray and and cloudy right now, but the days are getting longer. So the end is in sight.
0: It it always, it always is funny to me kind of because we, we talk a lot about the rain down here, you know, obviously in Oregon, it rains a lot as well, but you know, and you get those days when it's like high thirties, it's not quite snowing, but it's that cold rain. And you start to wonder, look around, like, why are we here? You know, what do you love about Oregon? But I mean, you guys have it a little bit even rougher. You must love, love the rain or what's your story on on all that?
1: Well, I love the summers. We get lots of sun in the summertime and, uh, and long days. So. That's the trade-off, really, and then just put the nose of the grindstone in the winter and yep. try to crank out the bags, and uh, then play in the summertime. So. That's
0: it. That's it. Cool. We're gonna we're gonna get into a lot of the bags. You're uh, you know uh, sagebrush dry. You make a pretty awesome product, and uh, we're gonna dig into that. Just you know your background there, how you all got started. Um, but and um, I know you. We talked a little bit uh, before we got on air here that you've done some fishing. When did you first get into um, fly fishing? Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, I dabbled in fly fishing, um, back before I moved out to Alaska in Bozeman, but I was not, you know, I never took. And then when I got to Alaska, um, well, Robbie Garrett, uh, one of the owners of the couple that I bought the business from, uh, it was kind of conditional upon buying the business is You got to start fly fishing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. He's been kind of, you know, taking me out and teaching me and I've, you know, so I've been fly fishing now a couple of years and really getting into it. And, um, yeah, so, you know, we're getting into some of these creeks out here and, uh, you know, some steelhead and just definitely doing subsistence fishing for, you know, all, all four types of salmon and, um, yeah, just really getting a good baptism by fire. Cause the fish are definitely abundant here.
0: No kidding. So you're getting into a little steelhead fishing, and I'm not as familiar. Well, I guess I'm just thinking where you're at exactly. What's the closest, uh, what what town?
1: The closest town, like my hub or whatever, would be Juneau, really. It's 90 air miles. Um, So I'm basically, um, even with like where Sitka is, we're about 50, 55 miles east of Sitka. So on Kupernoff Island, it's a remote uh, Native American village, about 500 people. Um, only accessible by airplane or ferry and, uh, yeah, kind of a cool little spot. No kidding. Not a lot of tourists.
0: That's, that's cool. Yeah. So you're, so you got a small town there and what, so how'd you bring the company? How'd you wind up there with a, with a company? I imagine there's a few challenges of, of building, you know, a brand and, and uh, building, you know, bags up there. What, what, how'd that all come to be?
1: Well, so I actually bought the business and moved to Cake because that's where it was located. Oh, gotcha. Um, so, yeah, um, Robbie and Elaine Garrett started the, well, they started in the, you know, I guess outdoor gear business back in like 1990. Um, and then, you know, they were doing contract sewing out of Dillon, Montana. So that was kind of the connection there. I was living in Montana doing outdoor gear in Bozeman. And then, You know, I was aware of Sagebrush Dry just because of that connection. And, um, yeah, so they started it, you know, years ago in Dillon, Montana, like I said, and then they were doing contract sewing for a lot of bigger companies. And then um, in about 2005, they decided they wanted to move and uh, get as close to being off grid and still be able to make bags as they could. And they moved to Cake and kind of that's when they got into, really got into the out, uh, waterproof gear because, you know, we're getting, in Cake we get about 50 inches of rain a year. Um, just, you know, really wet climate. And if you're going to do anything, you're going to have to do it in the rain or you're just not going to do it mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So, um, you know, spend a lot of time out on, you know, we're right in the inside passage. So you're on the, out on skiffs and, you know, getting crab and fishing and doing whatever you need to do, collecting oysters. So they just saw a need in the market and started making these bags. They got into radio frequency and hot air welding and um, really just kind of set themselves aside in the industry, just doing a really unique way of manufacturing these bags. Um, so anyway, I'm on a tangent there. But yeah, yeah, so, so, um, yeah so I came across the opportunity um, in 2017. I uh, was by a mutual friend we were doing some work with uh, said his friends had this company for sale and, you know, it'd be a good opportunity be the kind of, you know, I had a partner at the time. Um, he said, you guys would be perfect for it. Hmm. And, uh, so yeah, we went out to cake, Alaska, flew out to Juneau took a 12 hour ferry ride to cake and then spent a week in cake and stayed with them. And, um, you know, kind of got a inside, you know, view of the business and, uh, after that we you know after that trip our ferry was canceled we had to fly back um because of weather and when we got back to bozeman my partner was not interested um one of the conditions was that you had to stay and uh apprentice with them for at least a year oh, yeah. um and that was kind of one of the conditions so and i was kind of interested it was you know it's a really off the beaten path place and very you know um just very raw um there's not a lot of not a lot of tainted things i mean you just you can get out into the wilderness real quick and easy uh, a lot of wildlife bears you know the salmon the eagles it's just really a unique spot so i visited with them and so they said well we think you could come out and figure it out by yourself and so my partner um she kind of took the little business over that we had started. And she had to, you know, she had an elderly father that she was taking care of and, um, needed to stay back in Bozeman. So I, uh, I, two months later, I got on the ferry, loaded up my car and many, as many belongings as I could. And yeah, drove out to Bellingham, Washington, got on the ferry and showed up in cake and started learning how to make these bags. There so, you
0: go. So, so the ferry, so you could actually take a ferry with your car and everything to cake.
1: Yep. You drive right on the ferry in Bellingham, Washington yep. and, uh, you can actually drive up to there's you know Prince Rupert and you can even drive all the way to Haynes, Alaska and then get on the ferry. But yeah, the whole uh, Alaska Marine Highway system, so you can travel all around. And that's for the most part how like doing my trade shows and stuff in in Alaska how how you get around and go get. We do our Costco run to Juneau and load yeah. up the car and spend a week in Juneau and do what needs to be done and then head back on the ferry again. Huh. And there's sleeping rooms and you can, you know, like little cabins on the ferry as well. So it's it's kind of a, a fun adventure too. I mean, everything out here is an adventure.
0: Yeah, that is. What what has been the, what's kind of the hardest thing about, uh, you know, you've been up there how long now? A couple of years?
1: March will be three years.
0: March will be three years. Well, Yeah. What is the, what it has been the hardest thing about getting to, you know, kind of living up there?
1: Well, the isolation, I mean we've got three paved miles of road in town. Um, and we've got about a hundred miles of old logging roads so that, I mean, you can get out a little bit, but, uh, it's pretty isolated. I mean, just having to get parts for my machines or, you know, trying to get a technician, um, makes yeah. for a lot of challenging or even, you know, doing your banking, we don't even have a bank. So, um, it makes those things a little challenging, but it's, uh, it's a trade off, I guess. You know, I go back and forth, but it's it's a very very special spot.
0: That's cool. Yeah, I'm kind of looking on a map now. I'm just trying to orient myself. I've been up to Alaska, but I've never really been in the southeast part very much. But so Prince, you mentioned Prince Rupert because I've been up to the Skeena. You know that system. Are you? Yep. Are you? How far are you from kind of that confluence with the, the Skeena in that area?
1: Um. Well, Wrangell would probably be. So you're cause all you, north. a lot of people. I'm, I'm, uh, South of Wrangell. Oh, you're I'd south. be a bit, I'd be, I'd be North of, or I'd be, uh, yes. North of, uh, Skeena.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Back you're bit. North of Skeena. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Yep, gotcha.
1: So it's probably about, uh, I mean, there's not a, there's not a plane service to Wrangell, but it's probably like a 10, 12 hour boat ride to wrangle. Oh, yeah. And then from Wrangell you can access all over there.
0: Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. You're up and you are mentioned, Juno. Know, so yeah, it's, it's all, yeah. It's always okay. Cool. Um, well, now I, I just want to dig in a little bit on the gear. Um, you know, well, I guess before we get there, you mentioned the old business. What, what was the old business you, you and your partner were doing before this?
1: Well, I had gotten into the outdoor gear uh, manufacturing in Bozeman. That's kind of a hotbed for that. Um, so I had been working for another company. My partner as well, a different company, and um, we kind of just saw a, a, a need for small you know, small run productions. We had just a small cut and sew manufacturing shop doing mostly sewed goods. Um, we did a lot of like building for, uh, you know, prototype Mm. building. So a lot of, there was some bigger companies around there that would send us stuff that they didn't want to deal with when they'd be approached by other people. So it kind of was a, a weird little niche, but we'd only really been doing it for about three months as a real business. Um, when this opportunity came up so it was it was really uh Hmm. you know just getting that we weren't even getting having that really rolling yet but um you know I I knew about the sagebrush gear and my roommate in uh when I was living out in uh, Lake Tahoe California had a sagebrush bag and he Hmm. just beat the heck out of it and he was in, in rough stuff you know all the time and um, he had it for years, and I just, you know, I always knew they made this high-quality gear. And when the opportunity came up, I just thought the biggest challenge is going to be making them in cake. But other than that, I've I've got what I think is the best waterproof gear on the market.
0: That's cool. So what makes it's interesting with the waterproof gear because, you know, I have one of your hit packs, which is, you know, I haven't beat it to death yet. But, I, I you know, I plan on it. You know, I, I have a ton of waterproof bags. And I actually have a bag my friend— who was up in Canada who started kind of his own company and did one of those backpacks, which you see a lot of. And, you know, and of course there's just tons of waterproof bags and it's, it's interesting because, you know, it seems like the market would be a little challenging because there's so many, but what do you guys see as, or, you know, what do you see as your, uh, you know, the factor that differentiates you from, you know, maybe some of the other bags out there?
1: Well, I mean, I think for the most part, the, out, you know, the outdoor industry is just like any, any other business there's a lot of big companies that are out trying to make make big bucks um mass producing um you know kind of sometimes unethical conditions and uh you know we are making them all in alaska in a small shop handmade i buy all my fabric from a guy named rick anderson in uh monson massachusetts uh, Lamco Tech is the name of the company. It's a, it's a it's a U.S. made you know uh, mm-hmm. fabric for our conditions. I have a you know a 400 denier nylon pack cloth with scrim coating that's made to our spec. So we're just putting a lot of effort into high quality ingredients. I get the zippers out of Germany from T-Zip, you know, totally submersible, mm-hmm. airtight uh, dive suit industry zipper. And, um, you know, I just don't think you can mass produce high quality. So that's what we're doing differently. Um, a no bag leaves without being a submersion test. I fill every bag with two and a half pounds of air and then dunk it in a dunk tank and inspect all the seams to make sure that it's absolutely 100% airtight. And they don't leave the shop unless if they pass that test. And then we do have a lifetime warranty on everything, too. And it's not a lifetime warranty where we're just going to send you a new a new thing that's going to fail on you yeah. every time it fails. We make them to last. And if there's a problem with it, we want it back and we're going to fix it, uh, and get it right. And, um, you know, it's just, a, we just have a, a different standard.
0: Yeah, no, that's cool. It's good to hear that. I think, you know, that's that is part of the struggle. Like you said, there's a lot of waste out there and, you know, a lot of this stuff ends up in the landfill and, and it sounds like you guys are trying to definitely avoiding that. And, yeah, I know, so when I was using that zipper, that's one of the things you notice on a lot of these waterproof zippers, you know, the ones that aren't quite up to scale. They, they're they just hard to open. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, could you make it any harder to open your zipper? And, and your zipper, you know, it's a little harder to open than a normal jacket or whatever, but, it, you know, it's it's pretty easy, though. You know what I mean? You don't make it. Is that something on the zipper that that technology is is a uh, is tough to I mean, is it tough to find around, or is that something that is is unique for your bag?
1: Well, I mean, we're bringing those zippers from Germany. I mean, that's where we find the best ones. Yeah. Um, so it's it's it is a tough technology. I mean, you're making a zipper airtight, which is yeah. to me, I fill these things with air, you know, it's almost crazy. every day, and it still baffles me. It's like, huh? But um yeah and so the technology that we're using to set those zippers in you know it's a it's a radio frequency welding, so we're using radio waves to actually reorganize the molecular structure of the of the polyurethane coating on the fabric in the zipper to make a thermal bond, so you know it's just totally airtight. And then, you know, one other thing that we're doing differently, a lot of the bags on the market are using radio frequency welding, which is kind of limiting in your, you know, your design. So you have a lot of boxy products out there um, where we can get a little more curve and, and form is I'm using a lot, hot air welding. So nobody else is really doing it like like I'm doing it Um it's, a, it's creating a thermal bond with, with heat, but I'm getting a double bond. So I have a, a, a bond on my, you know, my main fabric of the bag as well as a, a seam taping going on to just make a f- super bulletproof uh, seal on everything and all the construction.
0: Yep. There you go. And, and some of the gear, you know, well, on, at least on the bag, and I've looked at some of those stuff. I mean, you you guys cover, you've got some gun cases, you got some backpacks. Uh, right now, I mean, the hip pack that I have, it would be, you know, obviously is perfect for, you know, out there fishing. Do you have any other fishing products in the line or things in mind in the future? Or are you guys kind of focused on your your core, um, like hunters and things like that there?
1: Well, I've got my hip and deck pack, which is a really awesome uh fishing bag um it's it's worn as kind of it's got a lumbar support and then a single shoulder sling Oh, nice! um, which is you know it's i probably use that the most fishing um i also carry a camera with me often when i'm fishing so it's a good spot to tuck that away and we make a a, you know an additional padded foam insert for camera gear and stuff so it's um one nice thing about that is you know it's it's not putting any weight really on your shoulders it's mostly on your on your waist Um, If you are to unbuckle your lumbar support, you can easily swing that bag around and dig in it from the front with it still attached to you. So if you're walking in a creek and digging for a lure, it's kind of just that backup. I can be tying stuff over it and let it drop in there rather than into the creek. So it's it's kind of a real slick bag for that.
0: Gotcha. And that one's called, and, what is that one called? Oh,
1: that's the hip. That's and called de- the hip, hip, hip and deck. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I the, other, the other nice thing about that bag and all our bags is the suspension systems are all totally removable. So like on that bag, the hip and deck pack, you can remove the suspension. Um, and then you can, it works as a really great deck bag for a small boat or kayak. Oh, cool. Um, and then there's anchor points for that as well. Um, another good fly fishing bag, really popular one, is which is kind of a newer bag that we're doing. Is just called the Day Tripper. Yeah. Um, just a neat little backpack, um, basic shoulder straps, and then we've got the fly rod tubes on the front and a water bottle pocket. Um, but just a good little day day bag. Um, get enough stuff, rain jacket, whatever you need, some lunch, and yep. uh, grab and grab and go.
0: Perfect, perfect. Yeah, so you have some good gear. This is uh, this is awesome. So, so it looks like you have a little mix. And what as you move forward, uh, are these products mostly the products that you kind of came into when you bought the company, or and then do you have you know ideas for different products coming up, or some of these new products from since you've been there?
1: Um, for the most part, they're mainly designs that were existing um, from Elaine from Elaine Garrett. Uh, she's kind of a designer that uh got all these things rolling um and i am working on other things um it's just right now we're you know trying to keep up with production oh, yeah. and i've got you know with the co- with the different three colorways where right now i have you know 30 different products that i offer just in the waterproof side of things so huh. um i've got a line of you know kayak and like uh packraft fishing bags that i'm working on uh I'll probably be getting those out in april uh, but yeah, we're always playing with stuff cause it's just, you go out and you do stuff and then you say, I need something to yeah. do this. And then you decide, well, how, how am I going to make it happen? So that's really the stage I'm at. I'm pretty new in the, with, with doing the hot air and radio frequency, it was a much, it was a big learning curve, just kind of getting the, the technical skills down. And now it's starting to be, you know, the playful area where I get to go and, hmm make stuff up and That's and cool. have fun with it so That's
0: cool. And are you doing um are you doing all of the um I mean kind of the whole business manufacturing everything or do you have help or how's that all working?
1: Um I do most of the stuff. I have a couple of part-time employees, two part-time employees right now. Um and we're shut down right now until February 4th. Uh just kind of getting some things in line after the holidays Mm -hmm. and got some traveling to do. Um, But yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty small little operation. Um, We, you know, most, I'm pretty much a solo operation in the summertime because everybody in, in our little village is getting out and, you know, it's, we're in a, it's a subsistence village. So everybody is gathering, you know, food and, you know, berries and mushrooms, whatever is available. So in the summertime, everybody's kind of out getting, getting what needs to be done done and uh yeah so things huh. slow down a bit in the summer
0: gotcha and uh, subsistence village i mean i guess people might have different views of that is this more kind of a lot of uh, native alaskans or is this i mean what what is the demographic of of the cake and it, you mentioned it's only a few hundred people or
1: yeah it's about 500 give or take yeah um and yeah it's uh it's it's a clinkit village so um that's the tribe that's native to that island um and it's about 85% i would say clinkit um so predominantly most of the people born and raised there you know oh wow. um, yeah
0: and clinkit how do you, how do you spell it? do you know how to spell that
1: it's t t l i n g i t
0: believe all oh, right right uh, okay yeah you that's close. different that's different than i was thinking that's for sure. <laughs> yeah for sure okay cl- click it so yeah i mean that's interesting it seems like that would be definitely part of the um you know getting used to it too you go to you from uh well you said bozeman is that where you were yep yeah yeah you go to bozeman you not only go to a place of five hundred people which is already tiny but eighty five percent native um what what was that like was that transition uh, i mean how how did you fit in the community were they you know i i'm assuming I, I guess I'm assuming you're white is that is that is that the case
1: yeah that is the case okay. I'm, I'm the white i'm the white guy' You're the white boy <laughs>
0: how, how did that how did that work i mean how'd that feel going into that
1: well it's like any new situation it's a little you know awkward at first but um it's just, there's, it's a lot of really good people in the, in the village. And, um, one of the things I started doing because these winters are so long and dreary, um, I hadn't played basketball since my high school days, you know, 20 years ago. And I started, the basketball's huge in the, in the, in the village towns around Southeast. So I started playing basketball again and pretty much after, you know, about a few weeks to a month of playing basketball, I was our the word had traveled I was okay I was in with the in with the community so there you go uh that was pretty much what it took yeah they have a big annual tournament in Juneau called gold medal and all the surrounding villages uh put together basketball teams and play in this week week-long tournament and so I was invited to play in that tournament and once that happened it was it was official I I mm-hmm. was you know I was well I felt much I felt like I was a member of the community you there know? you
0: go. There you go. What's, no, this is cool. Basketball was kind of my sport too. It's I love, uh, I love hearing that. What, what was the, um, I mean, would you have any words of advice for other people going into, um, you know, new communities, new kind of a sim- similar s- situation like you did?
1: Well, I mean, I think just be yourself. Um, yeah. it, it, you know, the, it the, the awkward, you know, there's just going to be that awkward s- and and it, you know i'm it's you're i'm moving i moved into a different culture so um you know there's just a lot of things that i you know awkward silence i felt like i'd have to fill these spaces all the time and actually in the clinket community it's just fine to hang out with each other and not talk for a while oh, yeah. uh, you know so just different thing just being aware of what's going on and mm-hmm. and not trying to you know force anything i guess would be the biggest thing
0: okay cool and what and what,
1: uh, to yeah, lace go. up your basketball shoes if you need to
0: yeah i was gonna say what what was the high school where'd you go to high school
1: i went to high school in north dakota um minto north dakota a small town and yeah. in the midwest grew up on a pinto bean farm there so there you go So it's a little you, different than where i'm at now right
0: what, what was your uh what position did you play there
1: I was a post player. Oh, I mean, really. I'm six, six foot tall, but I'm, uh, we didn't have a lot of big kids either. So
0: gotcha. You're kind of like the, uh, the Charles Barkley. Yeah.
1: Thing. I. Uh, yeah. Uh, there was yeah a small town, like 600 people in the town there too. So
0: yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. And and what's, so what is the home? I mean, I guess you've got a lot of rivers around there. Is there a big river over there that people wouldn't, would know about or something you, you fish?
1: Well, where I'm at, it's all small. I'm on my island. I'm just totally kind of out by myself. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, Yeah, I mean, like you said, the Stikine would be like the biggest river of, of, or the area of of notoriety i guess in my little neighborhood
0: that's it so so you're out there fishing and and you said steelhead so steelhead salmon you know a little bit of everything it's it's kind of whatever i guess this time of year you're getting in what what is that i guess i'm not on on the steelhead runs is this uh starting to get to that decent time
1: yeah and i mean i've talked to people you know native guys in my village that have been catching steelhead you know, 10 months out of the year. So yeah. I don't really know. Um, yep. but yeah, there's usually a little bump up here in, uh, early to mid February, I would say. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're, uh, they're really lackadaisical this time of year. Right. Right. That's cool. Yeah.
0: And so, and what is, as far as, you know, on the company again, getting back to all the bags and stuff, do you have plans to try to, to scale this thing up longer term and you know bring more people in uh you know potentially move the operation out or what's your long-term plan
1: yeah that's kind of the phase i'm at right now is what's next um i'm definitely you know uh demand is growing and uh you know robbie and elaine had built a really strong reputation and uh have a really really solid little following Hmm. and um yeah, so it's just, you know, getting get, growing the business and not doing it too fast and trying to keep the quality at the standard that, you know, Robin Lane have set is the biggest trick because uh hiring people and training and it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of process. So right now I'm I'm trying to figure out what the next stage is. Mm-hmm. Uh whether moving is going to be a I mean our our the the my shop is powered by diesel generated electricity. Okay. No you know so we're not doing things as efficiently as we par- really could. I'm getting things barged in, so everything that I order has to get shipped to Seattle and then put on a barge system, and then takes a week to get to me. So there's just a lot of, lot of you know, it just makes it a lot more challenging, but at the same time, it's kind of a quality of life exchange, and yeah, um, it's a pretty, pretty unique spot to be.
0: Yeah, it is. That's uh, and and you guys get up the summers up there. Are, I mean you're not getting sunshine all day, but what, do, what what's that look like? Is that kind of a a good chunk of the day is pretty light? Oh
1: yeah, I mean it's eleven o'clock at night. It's oh still,
0: you know, oh it is yeah. So you're getting yeah. a good chunk. So eleven and yeah,
1: then, and then three get... about three hours of twilight in the summertime.
0: Oh, so you are. So you're far enough up there that, that you're we still get getting...
1: a fair amount. Yeah, yep. three to five, I guess. What's yeah, that? it doesn't seem like it really gets totally black dark ever. No. And, Which, uh, you know, makes yeah. your days real long because you don't want to – it's hard to stop, you know. <laughs> I
0: know. Are, are you still producing in the summertime? Are you still working and building bags during the summer too? Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. And, and for the most part, our busy months are, you know, we just got through the busy run. Uh, but, yeah, we're still making – and we have a lot of, like – we do a lot for some of the different, you know, uh, agencies that work in the, in the area, in the woods and in the – on the water. So we do a lot of those kind of orders in the summertime, getting, getting, uh, getting them stocked out. So it stays busy year round for sure.
0: Yep. Nice. Well, I'll provide a, um, you know, some links to some of your bags and stuff that we've been talking about here. Um, And I would be interested, you know, you mentioned the following from, from your old, the old owners. I mean, what do you think when you think, look at that following who those people are and maybe think about what, you know sagebrush dry does best i mean right now what would you say who is that that kind of that target person that's you know you you think of as your core um you know uh, customer
1: well we sell a ton of stuff to just you know people all over southeast alaska um just because of the nature of the environment i mean i'm selling them to 65 year old ladies who ride their bike to the grocery store and it just <laughs> rains all the time, you know? So, um, in Alaska, we have a unique niche, um, uh, the rest of the world. And, uh, we ship all over the world, um, is, is we've got a real diehard fly fishing community. Um, we've got a lot of guys like on the Kamchaka river, the guides up there, um, using them and beating on them out there in extreme, extreme environments. And they're, you know, showing them to their, Clients, and then we're getting more orders you know all over the world from from really from that source, and then um yeah, it's just it's people that want to buy something once I mean this is we're making a lifetime bag um I've got a lot of people who have inherited bags from an uncle who's passed away, or you know um we make them to last, and that's the kind of you know customers we're we're targeting people that know quality and appreciate american made quality. Mm and uh and and it's just a different operation if you call and have a problem you're going to talk to me on the phone um and I'm going to be the guy that fixes it or you know does what needs to be done to take care of it so yeah. we uh we have a lot of pride in that
0: that's cool no i think it you're the you know the more uh small and kind of mid-sized companies i talk to the more you know i talk to people like yourself it makes me feel like i'm on the right track you know the people i'm connecting with because you know, that's kind of what it's all about. I love hearing how, you know, Kamchaka, I actually just interviewed, um, Marius, uh, Marius, who is, um, you know, he's over, he's worked in Kamchatka. He's the, you know, a big conservation minded person out in the Northwest. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, you know, with the, through this podcast, I'm connecting to people all around the world too now. So it's, it's definitely a small world, you know, even though I, I kind of think of you as tucked in there in Alaska, you know, I got to realize that it's kind of a global world, right? Even though you're producing it there.
1: It sure is. I mean, we couldn't do it without the internet. I mean, 80% of my sales come from online and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. I'm getting into now social media a few months ago. I finally got Instagram going and, People reach out from all over. It's it's mind-boggling. I've got a guy in uh, Manuel Antonio, Costa Rica, who does uh, birding tours. Who's mm-hmm you know, reached out and ordering lots of bags and it's just interesting. It's really cool. And it is a fun little network you start building.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I hope that, uh, you know, as we move forward here, I'm excited to, you know, definitely share, well, obviously a lot of people are going to listen to this and probably, you know, hopefully connect with you and, and get a feel for your stuff. Um, and I actually do, I haven't, didn't mention this to you, but we're, we're doing a. Um, I don't think I mentioned to you, so we're, we're getting a giveaway going and I'm working with a couple other companies, um, that are out there and we're planning on doing, a series of giveaways uh, for fly fishing trips around you know around the country, potentially around the world, depending on how it goes. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm thinking your bag would be a cool product, uh, you know, as part of that giveaway. We're kind of looking at not necessarily just fly fishing gear. Uh, you know, the trip we're looking at first is Pyramid Lake, um, which is kind of a destination, um, kind of down south of here. So so yeah, I'll have to follow up with you on that as we get into it to see if you know you have some interest there. Um, but yeah before we uh you know before we jump out of here, kind of as we wrap things up, anything else you want to touch on as far as from the company perspective, people should know about you know what you do and the good things you have going?
1: Well, I think we covered a lot of it um yeah, I guess the main thing is I mean we're just yeah we're a small operation and we're you know we're just making what we think is is really high quality stuff, and we take a lot of uh, pay a lot of attention to detail and really try to you know help our help our customers have a really good experience with, with their outdoor, you know, activities. Cause the worst thing that can happen and, and you know, we're in, I'm living in a, in an, in an extreme place where the environment's trying to kill you every day, you know? <laughs> and if your gear fails, you are, you know, you're up the Creek and it doesn't matter if your lifetime warranty is great. If you're out in the, you know, if you're out in the yep. bush and you've got a six day hike to get back, it, it ruins your trip and it could potentially ruin your you know life so yeah yeah i mean that's that's the that's the point i'm like to get across for sure
0: yeah yeah exactly it is kind of life or death have you had um i imagine yeah you have plenty of bears around there have you had any uh any encounters cool or crazy out there
1: oh man that was one of the hardest things to tackle upon moving here the Kupernoff Island is one of the, I think it's the second high, most highly dense, densely populated black bear populations in North America. Hmm. And there's bears. I'm, I live right on a creek um, and it's a, you know, we get a hump, humpy salmon up that. Oh, yeah. And so it's just bear haven. And I mean, I'm dealing with bears every day of the week for, you know, two months straight in the summertime, shooing them off my step. And um, so, yeah, there's just, I mean. it's hard to name one crazy because (laughs) I mean, one of the most crazy experiences when I first got here, I was watching bears from a bridge and there's, well, I was watching a couple of kids while they're snagging fish as they're coming in. Yeah. And, um, you know, here comes a bear and I was like, Oh God, what am I going to do? And the kid starts talking to the bear and waving his fishing pole at the bear and the kids aren't worried. And they just one other kid keeps fishing. Um, it's just a different, you know, where we're at, we're just really a part of nature. The bears don't really seem to get too, too bothered by you. As long as you're smart, don't leave your garbage out. I yeah. mean, I had, they do like eating my carrots out of my garden, but you know, I'm learning how to get them out of there. But other huh. than that, I mean, it's just, you know, just a day to day thing No, deal.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You just kind of get used yeah. to it. I guess black bears, do you guys also have a grizzly bear population there?
1: Not on Kupernoff, A oh, crossover right. on on Admiralty and then Baranov as well. There's that's and right. Chichikov, There's there's brown bears, but okay. no, we're lucky lucky to not have them. I guess where we're at, but that, still we got lots of bears. You got,
0: well, that's the thing, don't they say with black bears? You know, the difference between grizzly and black bears is that if you get attacked. You know, with a with a grizzly bear, you kind of you should play dead. But with a black bear, you fight back because they're they're going to eat you, right? If they're if they're attacking right. you, is that kind of what you learned out there too? That
1: that's what they yeah that's that's what they tell you. And uh, <laughs> I've never even seen an aggressive bear. I mean, yeah, I've I've come on I've come into them picking berries and uh, a saw with cubs and. Just more curious than anything, just doing a lot of sniffing. Yeah. But I mean, you're I'm I'm talking calmly about it now. I tell you, I was not a calm no. character when it had, when it was going down.
0: No, not at all. I heard Yeah, I've had a few bear encounters with black bears specifically. That yeah, you definitely you, you're you think about it a little bit. Cool. All right. Well, I think uh, we're about there. Any the, um, you know. Uh, I was going to dig into a little bit, maybe, uh, you know, as we get down on this, um, down the line, we, we can check back to see how things are going. Maybe I can get you back on. And if you have a new, you know, any new lines, any new products, but for now, I think you've got plenty of stuff that folks out there that are fly fishing, if they want to keep their stuff dry. And like you said, cameras, all that is, is obviously a, a big part of it. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, in the next six, 12 months, any, any new things going on as far as bags or gear, any, anything we can expect from you or just personally?
1: Yeah, well, I've got these uh, tote bags coming out. uh, Some boat kind of totes, and some kayak specific, like uh, like a nose bag and a midship bag that'll be coming out around. I think about April, I'll have those out. Uh, We're also getting into. I do, you know, on my labels and stuff. I do the screen printing. We've also been getting into doing custom uh, labels for like promotional gifts and you know different kind of safety gifts and things like that for companies as well so that's kind that's of a cool. new thing that'll be coming out on the website and kind of getting that out a little bit more after we kind of recover from the holidays here okay. and uh yeah so that kind of gives people an option a lot of lodges are doing it where they'll screen print their you know their logo on a on a on a bunch of bags oh, and sure. then that's oh, there you a go. part of the part of the you know package or however they'd want to do it
0: so if we wanted to get a some some of these bags with the wet fly swing logo on them you could you could do that sort of thing up definitely okay cool all right i'll keep that in mind And then as far as this would be something maybe a non uh piece of gear that's non uh, sagebrush dry do you have a go-to piece of gear that's something else you you got you know up in alaska you you don't leave home without up there grunden's oh grunden's
1: that's right <laughs> yeah you gotta have yeah. grunden's in your extra tufts around here that's otherwise it. you can't can't get around do, do you, so do, yeah that was gear <laughs> i'd never had before i moved to alaska and it was essential and you find that out real quick you try to use i mean i've tried using all kinds of other gorge well just yeah. different kinds of uh products and and when it's just constantly raining, you got to have something serious. You know? Yeah. Is. It definitely does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you on the Grundon shoes? I heard they have a, like a low top or a three quarter top. I've never used them, but I do. You, are, do you do the full, the full, uh, the
1: normal boots? Oh, I've got a variety yeah, of I've them. All, <laughs> you got to yeah. have your slip ons You got to have, yeah. Oh, and I, I've go. got some different ones. I've got, I have a pair of bogs that I really like too. That are fully waterproof, like a, mm-hmm three-quarter boot that's really handy um, but yeah just I gotta have rubber it's it's just a game changer out here because if you get wet it is it just ruins your trip
0: yep yeah it is for sure what about um a, a a tip for you know if you have a new company i mean obviously you're building you've bought this company you're you've got a you know a company that's paying the bills are any tips for somebody who's kind of in it trying to you know make a successful company for them
1: well, I need tips. Uh, <laughs> I'm figuring it out myself. Yeah, It's just, you know, you got to just keep keep at it, I guess, is the thing, because I've had a lot of, you know, ups and downs and equipment breakdowns. Yeah. and At the end of the day, just got to look more long-term than, uh, you know, see the forest for the trees because there's there's just so many things that come up that will screw up your your dream plan that you had when you're sitting on the couch in Bozeman, Montana, <laughs> dreaming up how this was going to go so smoothly. That's right. Um, so yeah, it's just, you got to just go with the flow. There's so much uh, unknown and that's kind of, once you make that like the curious part and the the challenging part, it, it doesn't get so bad. That's right.
0: Yeah. It's kind of, it's the, it's the journey, right? That's kind of the, the, the fun part of the whole thing. You, you never know where it's going to take you
1: exactly and that's the part to be conscious of if yeah. you can keep that in mind you're fine but it's really a challenge too
0: yeah yeah no i know I'm, I'm kind of coming from the same the same end that the the podcast definitely has been a journey you know it's been one of those things that's part of the thing i think if you don't if you don't enjoy that you know what i mean that just shows you you're probably not in the right in the right line you know of of thinking or work or whatever um uh, i guess one last question before i let you get going um if you weren't doing the sagebrush dry, what what do you think? What what uh, what do you think you'd
1: be doing for uh, for a living? Pooh, I would probably be trying trying to do something. I mean, probably like I'd be teaching. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably be trying to do something to help help kids out and get uh-huh. some get things on the right track. I've had a lot of you know really good experiences here and opened my eyes to a lot of things and i think that's that's a really important thing that we need to do more of is you know helping each other out and getting getting people in a positive space
0: yep yep no i and i think probably some of those villages right i know i have a friend that used to work up in alaska and she used to travel around to the Different villages and towns, and there's, you know, with the children, there's a lot of uh, concerns and issues, right? Some of the, I don't know if it's all mental health, but different things going on. And I mean, those kids' mentorship, right? Just like anybody, you know, finding a mentor for the kids and for the people is a big part of it. So that's, huge. It really is. That's cool. All right, John, Will, this has been good. I think I have a better perspective on, on sagebrush dry. I think um, I'm going to hopefully, you know, obviously get the word out there and hopefully get a few more items myself. I think that, um, you know, I have had plenty of moments where I've been soaking wet. I've gone swimming while fishing and, you know, I've had both sides, right? I've had that bag that's leaked and I've had the bag that stayed dry. So uh, so it's exciting to, to hear, to, to know I have a good company on board. Um, but, yeah, if they want to find yeah, you, I mean, they, they can just go to sagebrush yeah. dry.
1: Yep, sagebrushdry.com. And then I'm uh, sagebrushdry on Instagram and Facebook too. All right. And that's all kind of coming together. Uh, The website needs some updating and some work. And um, so does the social media, but we're busy making bags. So that's kind of the priority.
0: That's right. What's your. So so social media right now is. uh, Are you focusing more on like Instagram or any ones in particular?
1: Instagram and Facebook. Um, But Instagram kind of seems to be the one that, I mean, I just. I've never done Instagram for my personal life or anything. So yeah. three months ago, I got baptized by fire into that. And <clears throat> it really seems like, you know, that's where people are reaching out to me on. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a fun little... It gets to be a fun little project, actually.
0: Yeah, Yeah, in your bags, people get to see them, and I think that's part of this giveaway I mentioned. I think we're gonna, the companies that are involved, um, you know, I think we're gonna do maybe something where people have to just follow, you know, all the companies who are providing the get, you know, products, and that'll help build some buzz for everybody and. So, yeah, I'll let you know on that um, if that cool. works out. And, yeah, it should be fun. I think Instagram, that's what it's all about, right? It should be fun. It should be it should be social. It shouldn't be some some spammy sort of thing. That's the whole idea. So uh, I'm going to do my best to make it fun. Um, but, yeah, cool. John, yeah, well, uh, we'll keep in touch with you and uh, check back with you soon.
1: Awesome, Dave. Well, I appreciate the uh, time. It's fun being on the podcast.
0: So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com slash 126. Want to say thank you in advance if you were able to head over to wetflyswing.com slash echo and purchase a new rod through that link. This podcast gets a small commission at no extra charge to you if you make a purchase there. You'll be supporting this podcast, local fly shops, and a great fly rod company doing some good stuff out there. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to just say thank you again for uh, stopping by to check out the show today. I appreciate the support. I'm looking forward to maybe catching up with you soon on the river or online.